all about Dragnet on OTR from the Rockies. Next time, two contrasting shows featuring amateur Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for OTR from the Rockies. From the foot of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, here's a program capturing the drama and fun of the golden days of broadcasting. Old time radio from the Rockies. This is Fred Hobbs. I'm speaking to you from the radio studios of RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. And we're here to bring you interviews, historical information, book reviews, events, and fun for all on old-time radio, especially related to the Rocky Mountain region because that's where we're located. This time, our entire broadcast of old-time radio from the Rockies is devoted to one of the most famous, popular, and truly original shows of the golden age of radio, as well as a staple of 1950s television. It was widely mimicked and spoofed, and was even featured in two Hollywood movies. We'll find out all about it, but first, we turn to our OTR colleague, Bill McCracken, with some words about uh, the catalogs that uh, they have to be able to access a great variety of vintage radio uh, programs from the library of the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. So what's current in that department, Bill? Well, what we're adding this time are new additions to our CD library. Uh, not the tape library this time, but the CD library. And our newest uh, listings will include uh, the end of a series that was started some months ago called Dangerous Assignment with Brian Donlevy. So it'll cover the last year or so of that program, along with some of the Australian versions of that same show done by an actor named Lloyd Burrell. But the most uh, shows that we're adding to the library uh, dovetail right into our subject today, and that is Dragnet. So we have added about the first 18 months or so of that series to the CD library. That's about six dozen shows. So my comments about uh, what this show, trying to describe it here, as we've had the little tease there, it's all about Dragnet. That's right. Last time, uh, you may recall, listeners, we discussed his earlier career, Jack Webb's earlier career, between 1946 and 1949. Jack Webb being the uh, chief of all operations, Dragnet-wise, I guess. Huh? Mr. Dragnet to you, <laughs> right. And uh, we left off with the Pat Novak show from early 1949. And before that even was off the air for ABC, NBC had decided that they would put its new series from Webb uh, called Dragnet on the air in June of 1949 as a summer fill-in program. And I'm sure originally it was designed just to run for the 13 or 15 weeks of the summer. And uh, the program... I think very quickly we could say uh, evolved, didn't it? It's The first broadcast was very different from what it turned out to be. And that's what we're going to be checking out today as we investigate the first year of the series. Mm-hmm. 
Saturday, everybody. It is Saturday night here on the West Coast, April 23rd, 2011. And hello to Patricia. Hello to Robin. Hi. Happy Saturday, everybody. Boy, boy, well, actually, it's Sunday here on the East Coast already, Happy. so we're, we've got all our bases covered. Happy Easter for to everybody who's made it into Sunday. Happy Easter, and it's also Passover. Passover. one of the years where the two of them are happening at the same time. Yep, they're in between um, together. This day was, was on Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and all sorts of things that I'm going to read to you later. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a very busy month in the national scene. Patricia, Patricia and I are awake, and we love to have you here and join us. And, you know, we love the people. We love the family around here. So we love to hear from you, 714-545-2071. Give us a call. If you don't call, Patricia and I will struggle without you. Oh, it'll be a struggle. I really look forward to our family. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you just a taste of what's coming later. April has an International Pooper Scooper Week. Oh, I love that. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. There, are, there are others that are just as good. So we've got Happy Easter, Passover, um, and maybe I, I hope somebody calls in and talks with us about Seder. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've attended a few, so we can always talk about that. Hello, Carl. You're on air. Yeah, hi folks, it's Ralph. Oh, Ralph. Ralph, how are you? All right, I thought I'd call in early. <laughs> All right, call early and call often. Yes. Now, would you please tell people what happened to your envelopes? Oh, so some nasty old post office guy, he scratched the stamps with a ballpoint pen. <laughs> it's happened twice now. He probably listened to the show. Well, you, know, you know that may be. Yeah. <laughs> he they might have said out a word. <laughs> Ralph has the only postal in the nation who pays attention to what's on the stamps. I just got an envelope from Mr. Schultz, who was with us last week. Um, I got that today. I pulled it out of the mailbox, and there are three stamps on this big envelope that are not canceled. Isn't that amazing? And poor Ralph. It's got to be a West Coast thing. When you live in a small community like this up in the mountains, people don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so the mailman's <laughs> the best he can. Oh, just fall in a dead time. Oh gosh, you don't have people sitting waiting for you to park in front of a fire hydrant, but you've got somebody on stamp patrol. Yeah, did I tell you that we don't have a traffic light in our whole county? No, you didn't. Oh yeah, we don't have any traffic lights. Really is an intimate community. Yeah, it, it's really different. You know, I have friends come here and they say, uh, "How can you get around?" You know. <laughs> well, you put the car in drive and stay. You go. You gotta look where you're going. <laughs> that is a far cry from what you left in Queens. Oh my yes. Did you now? Did you go directly from Queens to California? Uh, yes, we went from Flushing, Queens to San Jose. And then how long was it before you moved into your current? Uh, I think we were there about 24 years. Oh, my. I was working for the airlines. Uh-huh. And when the airline went bust, then we started our own business, and we were with that for another five years. But well, all in all, uh, we were there a long time, long enough to be the uh, senior family on the block by the time we left. Oh, 
Okay. I was going to ask you about the transition. I mean, that is culture shock, going from Queens to a place that doesn't even have a traffic light, but you had San Jose in between. Yeah, San Jose was kind of a, a buffer zone. Yeah, you, you kind of got eased into the new lifestyle. You, you seem to have adapted quite well, sir. Oh, it's working out. I'm very happy here. So did you know about this area before you before you decided to buy it, buy it, Ralph? How did you... You know, what, what happened was... Uh, I, I used to mess around with CB radio a lot. Mm-hmm. I was in a gas station, and a guy came in with an antenna, and I started talking to him, and he told me about this little town in the lake. And uh, two weeks later, he came up to his uh, to his trailer. We were there. Because we had already moved into the trailer park uh, on a, you know, uh, seasonal basis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we spent one... Um, we spent one whole year up here while our house down in San Jose just sat. And uh, we went through a winter to make sure it was, wasn't too bad, and we decided this is where we wanted to be. And about that time, someone I, who I made an acquaintance with uh, invited us over to his house, came to this house. And I looked around and I said, oh, man, this is my dream house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple of, uh, couple of, three or four weeks later, he called me up uh, down San Jose, and he says, I'm selling the house. Oh, my. I said, well, don't do nothing until, until I get up there. <laughs> so uh, we bought his house, we sold our house, and we closed on both properties on the same day. Wow. <laughs> Which was great. The king of timing. I'll say it's great. It was meant to happen. I'm sorry, what? It was, it was meant to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. The handwriting was on the wall. Mm-hmm. This is where I needed to be. All right. Uh, now, here's, here's your next homework assignment. Dennis has been driving us, or <laughs> no, 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 no. He's been driving me to the Internet to look up various expressions and where they came from. Yes. Where did the writing is on the wall come from? All my life I've been hearing it. it. Wherever it came from, it came a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. I think I have a lot more homework to do than I've already done. Oh, gosh. So did you have a good week? We didn't get to talk to you last week. Oh, no. You, you guys were jammed up pretty good last week. I, I got tired, and that was it. You just left us? Oh, I didn't leave you. I, I had the radio on. But oh, be still my poor little heart. Okay. I passed out. I went to sleep. You went to sleep. Yeah. Out us. Okay. Well, Walden and I talked for a couple of minutes before we got on the air, and we decided that we both need a nap. So we're going to say good night, and you have a good show, Ralph, and um, Walden will figure out how you can take phone calls for us. Well, it's always been my pleasure. Thank you very much, and good night. <laughs> So you got two envelopes with scribbles on them. Yep. On both of them. One one was ballpoint, the other one was magic marker. Mm. I do. Oh boy, he was having an angry day. <laughs> I guess. Okay, I, I said he. Was it? Is it a man or a woman? Uh, you know, uh, we have we have delivery down at a mailbox on the street. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called a highway contract, and there's a family right now that's handling 
that the mail delivery service. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not post office employees, but they're contractors. Well, no wonder you're having trouble with your envelopes. Yeah, it's terrible. It's not post office people handling them. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. So do you actually have a post office, Ralph, or how do you... If you well, want yeah, to have a little post office. Uh-huh. Uh, we're very fortunate, you know, because uh, like in the town of Weaverville, which is quite nearby us, they don't have any mail delivery at all. They have to go to the post office every day. Here we have this uh, rural-style delivery. But we don't have to go to the post office. I, but that, I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. Postage went up. Does everybody remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it did. Because um, this week, the stamp, the the cost of the additional ounces went from 17 cents to 20 cents. Wow. I just thought I'd mention that to let people know I actually read a newspaper this week. I get I get I get such a kick out of the variety of stamps that you apply to envelopes. I have such a good time. I go to the post office with this list, and and the poor people behind the counter they look at it and say, "Okay," and then they they go shopping and they pull all of this stuff out of drawers. I just love it. Is that an art form or? Oh, it is for me. <laughs> that's, that's the extent of my artistic abilities is to dress up envelopes with a variety of different colored stamps. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, it's, yeah. it's not unappreciated. I appreciate it. I, well, you're, apparently, your postal person doesn't appreciate it because somebody else gets clean stamps when they arrive. Maybe they just don't want to mess up the artwork. I don't know, when you, when you send the, uh, the padded envelopes, huh? I wonder if those uh, uh, machinery that they have are, are really capable of processing those. No, they have to be hand-stamped. Yeah, see, that's what happens. Somebody got lazy. Did I, did I, I sent you a puppy envelope this last time, did I not? Or was it one of the flat ones? Uh, the last two were padded. Yeah, they were the puppies. Okay. So, your guy messed them up. Yeah. You're, you're just you're just going to have to take it up with the person on the route. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Everybody else is getting to Dennis said he was not going to perpetuate this. He was just going to protect his stamps. He wasn't going to send them out. So he's, he's being a person of honor. Nolan and I, on the other hand, are sending this envelope back and forth. Oh. And it is about to be launched on its 12th trip. That's pretty cool. Uh, wow, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty cool. You ought to see this envelope. The stamps are great. The envelope is <laughs> just crumbling underneath. It's and fun. It is. It is getting pretty well beaten up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to uh -oh. see that. What? Get a wife coming up the driveway tonight's a uh, uh, Easter vigil or something at the church. Ah. Okay. Well, it's almost Happy Easter time. She took uh, three of the local ladies along with her tonight. Ah. And somebody barked. Yeah, that's Shelby. Ah. One of our one of our labs. How many do you have? Two. Two. Both chocolate. Okay. And uh, Shelby's a little over six, and Gunner he's just over two. Mm. Oh, they're young ones. They're little pups. Oh, I'm telling you. They're just pups. They're a bunch of fun. <laughs> it sounds like it. My sister has a yellow lab, and she just adores that thing. Oh yeah, they're, they're the same. They're very very smart. And lovable. I mean, they're very cuddly dogs. They're huge. I mean, they're like ponies, for goodness sakes, when you compare them to these little teacup things. 
But yeah, I think I'm a dog. I'm kind of. We had one little tiny dog. It was a miniature pincer. Uh huh. We had it for 14 years, but you know, I, I always worried about stepping on those tiny little feet. <laughs> oh yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a lightweight. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, what's news with the chicken? Have have they been hacked? Yeah. What what oh, what the uh, story? The chickens uh, are uh, going to be uh, Monday. We have to go get them. They've just hatched. They were, they were hatched locally. So are you prepared? Have you got everything built for them? Or, or? Yeah, I got the, I have the brooder. Okay. And uh, the chicken coop uh, isn't quite ready, but they won't be ready for that for three or four weeks. These are Easter chicks. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. She'll be wanting us to know what he thinks. She knows somebody's out in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't sound particularly loud. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it gives us some color. It, yes, it gives us a, a, a new dimension to the family aspect of That's this right. show. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, are, you in the, are you in the market for a question? Now that we've grilled you for the... <laughs> what, what is the... Uh, what's the theme? There you go. Oh, all right. We didn't even... All right, now. Hold on. I got... I didn't even hear nothing. I know. That's because we didn't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The theme for tonight is cars. Cars. Oh. What do you think about that? What was your first car or truck? Do you remember your parents' cars? I saw a History Channel piece today. I... I'm not quite sure. I think it was just steam engines that they were concentrating on because there were locomotives when I came back. Uh-huh. Leno was on, and he has two Stanley steamer cars that actually ran on steam. And I thought, what fun. Let's talk about cars tonight. So what kind of cars do you remember? What was your first car? What about your parents' cars? Well, my father always had big cars. And the first one I remember was a Hupmobile. A what? Hubmobile. H-U-B mobile? H-U-P, I believe it was. Mobile, okay. He used to call it the Hub. <laughs> okay. And uh, after that, he always had his own package. Well, tell me, tell me about the Hubmobile. Do you remember it, or is this something he just told you about? I remember being in it. I, I remember a lot about it. The back seat was big enough, you, you know, uh, it was like a small hotel room. It was a huge car. He <laughs> really did like big cars. I've never heard of that model. Morgan, have you ever heard of it? Nope. Nope. What do you think it was, Ralph? About 1930? When you, oh, yeah. It had to be out of the 30s. Yeah. All right. Well, it wasn't out of the 30s. It was out of the 20s. 20s. Because I don't know if by the 40s it would probably even be manufactured. No, I don't think so. Oh. I don't know when they stopped, but... Uh, I'm now you want to talk about my car? Yeah. What was the first car that you owned, that you bought? Excuse me, before you go to the new one, there's a Hupmobile Club. Dedicated to the restoration, preservation, and enjoyment of Hupmobiles. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it, was, it, was, it was good for sleep, and I know I was there a lot of times. <laughs> oh, look at this, 1908 to 1941. How about that? Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what it says. Okay, well, you... So what does it look like, Patricia? Is it really stylish? What do you... Let me see. Hupmobile history. The other dog just arrived. Hey, there are two of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to look someplace else. The club does not have any 
photographs of the cars. But and I, uh, 1925 Hupmobile, let's see. Eight cylinders, holy cats. Um, gee, it looks like a gangster car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like a Bonnie and Clyde car? Yeah, yeah, that kind or of... probably an Al car. Yeah, I just know it was real big. And it was, like most cars of that era, it was black. Wow, okay. Hupmobile, like Dodge and Ford, made only four-cylinder cars until 1929 when they began offering six and eights. They produced 38,000 cars in 1923, but dropped to 17,000 in 1931. Um, aerodynamic range was introduced in 1934. Apparently, it was really a hotshot car. Wow. Oh, I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a cheap car. It was oh. Wowzers! I don't see any price listed on this. But I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm just so taken with this. I never heard of this car before. Well, that was my dad's car, the first one that I remember. A one heck of a hood ornament, wow! That used to be the big style, to have a, a ornate hood ornaments. Huh? Until the kids started stealing them, I guess. Yeah, well, they were pretty hard to steal. You know, you had to get the hood up and everything. And it was it was cumbersome, so we didn't steal many of those. <laughs> I wasn't referring to you, but thank you for clarifying that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you are too funny. I'm sorry. I interrupted the rest of the cars. Okay, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, our first car was a 1947 Torpedo uh, Pontiac. Torpedo? Yeah, you know, it had a, had a... That was the shape or the name? Yeah, the, the name, the shape, it, it had a... An angle down from the from the top, it, rather than having a a step down, it was a it's fastback. That's probably the word you would know. Pontiac torpedo. This is incredible. Yeah, that's the you know 1947. Yeah. Buy one. I'm sorry. You want to buy one? They're for sale. No. <laughs> Boy, that is a, that's another gangster car. Yeah, that was a good car. And then uh, when we well, we actually had that before we were married. <laughs> and after that, we bought a two-year-old 1954 Chevy two-door hardtop. Uh -huh. That was a wonderful car. Were very good cars in the 40s and 50s. Yes, yeah, they stopped making them, you know, during the war. Uh, I guess from 1941 on, they, they didn't make them until after the war. Right. Nobody made cars. Everything was in war production. There were no new cars during the war. No, no. They all wanted the tank production and, and such. Huh? There were a lot of tanks. A lot of uh, tanks. Now i got to tell you about my special car. Oh, yeah. I bought a 1964 Chevelle two-door sedan. Okay. Black. Yeah. A real businessman's car, right? Uh-huh. And we proceeded to hop it up. <laughs> what did you do? It was what it was referred to as a sleeper, you know. Okay. It didn't look like it could get out. Hey, can it? Get down. It's, it's one of those where you sat at the stoplight with the guy sitting next to you, just kind of 
cooling it out and you could take off and wind up in the next county before this guy got through the intersection? Well, I mean, it was pretty fast. When Ralph says... I just found some pictures last week of a... I got a, a couple of trophies at the drag strip. No kidding! Yeah, I got a picture of myself with one of the, one of the uh, trophies. And oh. Now I got to tell you the rest of the story, like Paul Hart. Uh-huh. My wife's cousin um, lives in uh, North Carolina, and uh, he's in a town that's, you know, it's a NASCAR town. Mm -hmm. Automobiles are, are king over there. And uh, he was in the automotive business. He made a million bucks. I mean, literally, he made a million bucks. So uh, last week when they had the tornadoes, we called him up to see how he was doing. Yeah. He says, he says, Ralph, the guy came in the shop today. He had a 1964 Chevelle 300 two-door sedan. Oh, gee. And he says, I got, uh, I, I want that car. He says, I got somebody I want to give it to. He says, I'll trade you for this GTO over here. And the guy says, oh, no, I can't sell the car. But he was going to give me the car. Oh, that's pretty damn good. And he remembered all this time how special oh. that was to you. Well, we have a history. We did a lot of stuff together. Oh, that is you know, so nice. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I, I don't know. The only difference between this, this car and mine is mine was black and this one's white. So for three days, I, I, I kept seeing it in my mind. Yeah. Oh. I'm getting over it now. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed for you. Uh, you know, I, I think I'd probably kill myself if I had a car like that today. Somebody else. A car like that. Make sure it's condition, nice. The condition that he's talking about, that's a $40,000 car. No kidding. Oof. Yeah. And he's going to give it to me. Oh, my God. How sweet. I mean, really, that is so neat. I mean, that is, that's exceptional. <laughs> so, too. He's a keeper. Oh, he's a, he's a good guy. It's a, yeah, it's Tony's cousin, actually. Tony's cousin. Oh, he's a keeper. You know what we used to do, Patricia? I had a student driver's signs. <laughs> we used to put the student driver's signs in the back window of the car. <laughs> and he would sit next to me and act like he was giving me directions. <laughs> like, turn out some alike. through traffic on something like that. Everybody gave you wide berth. <laughs> well, the, the, the car was semi-famous. Uh, when my wife would go to, the, to church, uh -huh. this thing would rumble and roar. Oh, my gosh. She went, she went to the gas station. The kid at the gas station says, can I check your oil? She says, no. Uh, he says, can I just look under the hood? <laughs> she knew the car. And she says, I can't let you look at the engine because my husband has the hood locked, and I did. I have, <laughs> I have hood locks on it. Uh -huh. I never heard of a hood lock. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have so much to learn in so little time, Ralph. Yes, yes, yes. 
So that, that was my, that's my car history. After that, it was always a station wagon or a pickup truck, something like that. Talk about your, your drag racing day. How fast did you go? Um, let me see. I think I did 100, 100 miles an hour and a quarter uh, in 14 seconds. Wow. <laughs> that was the best I ever did. Mm, wow. But that, that's, uh, that's pretty fast, Walt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's pretty fast. Yeah, this thing would snap your head back, you know. Oh, my God. I'm rem reminiscing about that now. <laughs> <laughs> this is good stuff. Good I, stuff. I knew you liked stuff, so I figured I'd tell you some stuff. <laughs> oh, I love stuff. You know I love stuff. Are you ready? I, I'm, I'm always trying to be ready. You're always trying to what? Be ready. <laughs> well, right. well, you do so well on questions. And then when I say, but that means I can send you something, you say, oh, I don't know what. I really don't. I really don't know what. All right, let's see. Trivia, yeah. trivia. Do you want comic strip trivia or trivia, trivia? Mm. Well, comic strips would be all right. Comic strips. Let's see what we got in the comic strip department. Okay. Um, what did the comic strips, the comic strip characters of the Little King and Henry have in common? I remember both of them. Uh, maybe the same artist. Nope. No. Go for it again. I can't think of any anything that they have in common. Uh, Henry was a, he was a kind of a bald-headed kid with one curly hair sticking out the top of his head. Uh-huh. And the little king was a, a short, heavy-set fella. Right. Running around with a crown on his head. Yeah. But what they had in common, hmm, that escaped me. There was something, and you're just going to hit the side of your head and say, Oh, no, Mr. Bill. <laughs> I think I'll tell you. I'm not oh. even going to wait for anybody else. I will tell you. Henry did not speak, and the little king did not speak. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. How about the cats and jammer kids? All right, you want the cats and jammer kids? <laughs> I got a cats and jammer kid. All right, now you're you're asking this backwards because the question I have, the answer is the cats and jammer kids. Uh oh. All right, so now I'll reverse it. In the cats and jammer kids, give me two of the characters in the cats and jammer kids. Well, there was the uh, inspector. Uh huh. And uh, I believe the one was called the captain. Yes, yes. Then there was Mamie. And then there was Hans and Fritz. Oh my gosh, are you good or what? <laughs> All right. All right, you get, a, you get a high five. You should get cookies with the next shipment here. That was a hard one. Send me a hot rod. <laughs> you want a hot rod? <laughs> oh, I don't think I can do that. Only just came and she wished a happy Easter. Hooray! Well, yeah, happy Easter to you too, but you there's bet. got to be something I can send you. You should send him gasoline alley. Yeah. 
I could probably send him gasoline and maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send me a couple of gallons. I've got, yeah, right. I, I bypassed the gas station tonight on my way home. I was going to stop, and I thought, oh, nuts, I'll go tomorrow. You know, I mean, every day it goes up a couple of cents. I was probably okay, very foolish. It might go up to tomorrow, yeah. Uh, you want to think about it and, and send me an email? Yeah, I'll do that. We'll have to, Tony and I will conspire to figure out something. Good. Tony Tony has some likes that uh, I think I can probably fulfill. Oh, good. So, yeah, the and Jammer kids, they were my favorites. Really? Did I mention the inspector? Yep, that was the first one you mentioned. Okay, yeah, okay. Hans and Fritz, I thought that would be the only ones you'd get. Good for okay, you. Fritz, Captain, Mamie. I can't remember any others. I always liked Little Abner. He had so many characters. Okay, well, next week we'll have some Little Abner questions for you. I do have some. I have some Little Abner ones. That'll be good. Yeah. <clears throat> well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. i got to go talk to my bride. Say hi to your bride for us. Happy Easter. And Thank feel you. better. You sound like you've got a leftover. Yeah, well, you guys just have a, a fine holiday. Okay, thank you, Ralph, Ralph and you have a great night. Get some sleep. Oh, uh, one more thing. How does this telephone sound? Sounds fine to Sounds me, good. Walden. Sounds good, Ralph. All right. Yeah, we switched over to uh, Verizon uh -huh. uh -huh. for a home phone. Huh? And it's, it's a wireless setup. Ah, okay. And uh, it, it seems to work very good. And you can call anywhere you want, as long as you want, any time you want. It's just one flat rate for the whole month. Excellent. You can't beat those deals. No, that's pretty good. It's a good deal, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to go think about that car again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they were great stories. I never heard of those cars, so I really appreciate it. I've got so much to learn, well. Thank you. <laughs> You're more than welcome. Have a good night. You too, Ralph. Bye-bye. And there's our buddy Ralph from Northern California. You can give us a call at 714-545-2071. The topic is out on the table. You can call. Join the conversation at 714-545-2071. The theme is cars. What was your first car? Do you remember your parents' cars? What was the most unusual car? Just anything about cars in your past. Not so much what you're driving today, but in the past. What was your first car? Now, I um, sent an email to Bob Blow today. Bob is one of our DJs. Yes. He is in the St. Louis area, and St. Louis got hammered with storms and a tornado that tore up their airport. It's a major airport, too. So I popped a note, and he said they were about 15 miles from the center of activity, so they are fine, and I just want everybody to know that. Good. Keeping track of everybody is important. I'm trying, to keep, I'm trying to keep track of our family. Our family gets bigger and bigger. It's harder and harder to keep track of the kids, you know? I know. When we have a family reunion, we're going to have to be very careful where, the, where we're going to have this place. We're having a reunion? Well, at least we have it on the radio, so, so we can expand the family as fast as we can. Oh. If we were to have a reunion, we would have to figure out what's big enough that we can all afford to go. 
the Astrodome. I mean, you have a big place out in California, at least one. That's true. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, you know what? I'm wide awake. You are? Yeah, because normally I call around. So what was the first car you owned, Ron? Huh? What was the first car that you owned? Oh, well, let's see. When I got married, we bought a, um, a Malibu, 1964 Malibu Chevelle. All right. Well, yeah. another Chevelle person here. The two-door hardtop, hard black, and uh, it was really cool. Yeah. And my first car was a Malibu. It was really neat. So what are you doing awake? I mean, it's only, what, 6.30? Oh, it's only 7.30, I'm like in Hawaii. <laughs> but I'm home. I don't, I didn't have to go to any party or any job, so I'm home. Hey, by the way, did, um, did, you, did you get to check your Pony Express mail today? I did check my Pony Express mail. Now, you called in the middle of my sentences here. I said April 22nd was Earth Day. Bob broke. I uh, sent an email, he's fine, and the next one on the list is thank you, Ron. I went to the mailbox tonight, and my goodness, I needed a crane to get the goodies home. I got Father Knows Best, um, Famous Westerns. What are the Famous Westerns in here? Oh, they got like two of each, like Frontier Gentleman, Hopalong Cassidy, oh, Red Rider, Lone Ranger, um, and the Six Shooter. I mean, there's two of each. Two of and then they're high class acts you're talking about. Mel Blank, Gangbusters. Now the lineup, I do not have any idea what this is. Walden, is that a show you recognize? Uh-huh. It was a show that came in the nineteen fifties and it was a a police show where they have people line up at the beginning and they decide to pick out who might be the bad guy. Right. Um that's that's what the lineup is. I just never heard of the show before. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the shows that you probably will, well, I don't know, we'll see how much you like them. And then you got Academy Awards. Academy Awards Theater, got two of those CDs, and Martin and Lewis. I have no Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis shows. I thought about it. See, I try to remember the lineup of comedy shows that you do have and you didn't have, and so I, I hopefully my memory, you know, was able to, to uh, tell, well, I guess she doesn't have Martin and Lewis. She doesn't have Mel Blanc <laughs> and stuff like that. So that's how come we came up with. Oh, by the way, I, I, got, I got your Pony Express mail yesterday. Good. It was so heavy that the pony sweat all over. The <laughs> <laughs> really what really What a mess and 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 and, and all that. Well, anyway, gunk. But anyway, it was really cool. And I, I couldn't wait to pop in uh, Green Grammy's Green Acres, and it was so cool. It was so enjoyable. And then I, I couldn't wait to hear some Judy Canova because, you know, she is, you know, actually she's an amazing singer. Yes. She, her her range is just. She could do classic, and she could do hillbilly. Yeah, her age is something else. And her her daughter is going to be in uh, at FOTR starring in Greg's show. Greg Oppenheimer, he's a friend of ours who dad created I Love Lucy. He's going to do My Favorite Husband back in New Jersey. Oh. And he's having Judy Canova's daughter being in the show. How neat. Yeah. 
does she does she sound or can she sound like her mom did? I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna once we hook that up. I'm gonna try to get. I'm gonna try to see if I can get uh, Diane on the show. That'd be fun to talk about Judy Canova. Oh yeah. About yes. her mom and everything. Her, you know, her mom went from classical opera. Yes. To this down home backwoods on the farm type character that was so out of step with what her actual background was, and she did a fabulous job. Are they good shows, Ron? Did the, uh, is the sound quality? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, actually, some of these shows, you know, <clears throat> to, to be honest with you, um, these nostalgia shows have have a very heartwarming um, <clears throat> feeling as far as I'm concerned. And sometimes when I listen to these shows, although they're comedy, sometimes my, my throat whirls up because I remember these shows when I was a youngster and it just brings back some fond memories of how I used to look forward to listening to some of these shows like Judy Canova. When you were hearing the show in Hawaii when you were growing up as a kid, <laughs> did, were, they, were any of them live or were they all on transcription? Can you guys? Well, what happens is our shows in Hawaii was one week behind because they would have had to mail the uh, over to Hawaii. Yeah. Some of the shows, Walden and Pat, came by short wave and and they would keep it and we would hear it that very night. With you know how short wave sounds like Walden. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh 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 Via short wave. Oh my! Michael Riley came via short wave mm -hmm. for a while, and um, your hit parade um, came by short wave, and, and for several years, Jack Benny came um, via short wave. You know, um, then we're here the same day that it would be broadcast on either NBC or CBS. I'm, I'm, here is my ignorance again. Oh, gosh, I've got so much to learn. How is a shortwave show broadcast? Where did it originate, and who put it on the air? Oh, it would originate from the, the regular studio uh -huh. that they were broadcasting from. And then the um, shortwave would relay it from the network, and they would relay it from a station either in California or... Where is a shortwave link? Got it. Okay. A lot of time, um, San Francisco, where they use, it would be a shortwave hop to Hawaii. Uh huh. So they would send the short show up to San Francisco and they would have the okay. big antenna and ship them out that way. Okay. It, it, it was a relay. I, I just, you know, the word relay, of course, makes sense to me now. Thank you. Well, you know, like Voice of America, most people probably don't know that their big transmitter, I think it's in North Carolina. For all, for all things. You never know. Hey, my little Walden, I, <clears throat> let's see, the Life of Riley show was 7.30 um, on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. In Hawaii, it would, um, it would be like 5.30. Now, the shortwave radio would um, um, air it at 5.30 in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And the station would record it direct from shortwave and play at like 7.30 or 8.30. But because I had a shortwave receiver, mm -hmm. 
I could hear lies, you know. How many radio stations were there in Hawaii? Did you, at night, were they just local shows, band remote? Yeah. There was a CBS network, there was an NBC network, ABC, and then there were a couple of independent mm -hmm. radio stations. Um, these are all AM stations. <clears throat> but of course now, oh, there's so many mm -hmm. AM and FM stations in Hawaii. But uh, <clears throat> in those days, like they were only in the late 40s and the early 50s, they were like only, what, two, three, five, maybe about five, six or seven AM stations, that's all, you know. And would they stay on till midnight? What time would they uh, shut down? Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, some, we would stay on to midnight. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, so many of them stayed on 24 hours, you know, but in those days, they would stay on to midnight, one o'clock, and then they'd shut down and come on at like six in the morning. When they used to do live band remotes in Hawaii, what would be the oh, yeah. what would they be the cool. they used to do live band remotes from different nightclubs in Hawaii. Where were some of the places? Huh? Where were they broadcast from? What what hotels? Where would be the places in Hawaii? Oh, Hawaii, the Hawaiian Hotel. Uh huh. And then some of them would be uh, some of the downtown <clears throat> nightclubs that had jazz. They would go there. They would call the show around the town. And they would go to different venues around the town and broadcast for 15 minutes um, musicians that were performing in these different venues. And it was quite fun. Yeah. Did you ever see any, or were you there when some of these were being broadcast? No, well, actually, I was too young then. I... Okay. It, it just seems to me to be an awful lot of work to have live broadcast. And all they had to do is flip the switch and then they'd be able to pick up the music from directly from the nightclub because they were just hooked up to their amplifier down in the club that they were um, getting a remote from. So it was quite They were getting a feed from the... There you go, for the hotel. As opposed to having a team show up with microphones and interviews and isn't this grand we're having a good time with the band. Got it. And okay. So, and sometimes they would do... Some bands would do three, four broadcasts throughout the night. So it would be, let's say, maybe those 15 minutes. And in some cases, some of them would be, let's say, on a CBS, and then they do it on Mutual or whatever. Wow. So they, they did that in the States occasionally, like Harry James and people like that. Yeah. How about that? And Ron, when, when you were a kid, I recall that you told us, you listened to Baby Snooks at your grandma's house. Yeah, and you know what? That's why when you sent me those Baby Snooks, uh, oh, it was so good because they were the latter part of Baby Snooks when she was on CBS, and it was great. And that I every Friday night, well, in Hawaii, it was on Friday night, um, and I would be at my grandma's house, and they had a big Zenith uh, console. We'd be sitting around the console listen to Baby Snooks. And my grandmother was my favorite grandma, and she would cook some great dinners for us to enjoy as grandkids, and Baby Snooks was always on the, uh, on the agenda. 
Okay, now you did it. You mentioned food, so now I'm okay with food for the rest of the night. When you say she cooked some great meals, what did she cook for you? Well, my grandmother couldn't speak English pretty much, but she spoke ill, spoke English. And, uh, she came from Japan, so a lot of the food that she did prepare was of Japanese nature. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, good stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Did you have some brothers and sisters, Ron? Or uh, how big? How many grand? How many grandkids yeah. would it be over at your grandmother's place? Oh, well, we had cousins too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not only my own brothers and siblings, but we had my cousins would come on a Friday night, mm-hmm. and we'd sleep over. We'd sleep on the floor, you know, because there was not enough bed, of course, but bed. But we slept on the floor in the living room. Sometimes listen to the radio as we sleep, you know, and prepare to go to bed. And and we were just all around the same age of my cousins, and so we'll talk story and we have a good time. Did a lot of places have air conditioning? I mean, uh, would no, no. And would you sort of sleep in? You know, before mm-hmm. Hawaii was more tropical than now. Now because we got so much high-rise buildings and yep. stuff. It's hotter, and the humidity seems to be higher now than it was when I was a youngster. Well, yeah. I know my mom talks about in the Midwest they had the outdoor sleeping things where you were enclosed, but you could at least get the breeze. Would you have something like that in Hawaii? That yeah, we we could sleep outdoor uh-huh. and just enjoy. You know, before well, let's face it, before. We never had to lock our doors, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really safe. Now we can't live like that. And it was safe to even sleep outside, you know, on the grass and, and just enjoy the the cool air, tropical air of Hawaii and by being sleeping under the stars. But no, you can't do it. It's not safe anymore. When did, yeah. when did Hawaii change? Did you always feel safe or say through the 50s and 60s? You know, in the 50s, it was still safe. Uh-huh. And starting from the from the mid sixties on, then it got a little bit hairy. Now, now we don't dare leave our doors unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like that all over, even in Florida, right? Yes, I, and I think I I thought about this a lot. I think a lot of it comes from the the mobile society that we have become. We don't grow up with. Grandma living next door and cousins living down the street and family staying in the same town. Right. Everybody is split up, so everybody yeah. is anonymous. And when you have a sense of anonymity, it's easier to be tempted to get away with stuff because there's nobody out there who knows who you are. Or they, they don't think they know who you are. But I, I think that's a good deal of it. There's no cohesiveness. There's no hometown. Malden has an unusual situation. Well, we know everybody. Yes. Everybody who lives here for 30, 40 years, practically. And that's exactly what it used to be yeah. all over the place. And now it's unique. It's a one of a kind. I mean, there's very a lot of times at night. I mean, we don't have burglar alarms here. We don't have a lot of times. Not, not everything's totally locked up. Uh-huh. I mean, but everybody. No, she showed, I mean, the, mayor, the ex-mayor crossed the street, the chief of police down the street, you know, I mean. Uh, but you, it's important also that you know each other's yes, habits. Yes, yes. 
So yeah. if the lights weren't on or the lights were on when they weren't supposed to be or a car was missing or a car not in the yeah. garage. Well, we get concerned. When, when, uh, when an ambulance shows up, the neighborhood, the neighborhood is concerned about the other people. We uh-huh. always are sure checking upon each other, make sure. Now with Ron, uh, out in Hawaii, you just had the floodgates open with people coming from all over the world and setting up housekeeping and moving to Hawaii. So you had the same thing that, that we have here in Florida. Everybody came from someplace else. The only, you know, and that's, uh, I mean, well, it's good. I mean, that's progress, so mm-hmm. what can I say? However, you know, it's not like before, you know. It's, you, you, you really can't trust it, you know. Uh, not that you can't trust anybody, but you really got to be cautious. Mm-hmm. When did the real estate prices go out of sight in Hawaii? I remember we had some neighbors in the 70s move to Hawaii, and we thought they were crazy spending like $100,000 on a small house. <laughs> yeah. My friend, when they moved to Las Vegas, for what they bought in, in Hawaii, in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. they had a swimming pool, they had all kinds of amenities, <laughs> you know, they couldn't get in Hawaii. But the only, I tell you what, Okay, that's all the sad part, but you know what the good part is? Now, when you think about it, there's no way you, Walden, or you, mm-hmm. uh, Patricia, or me, could have this kind of conversation in the 50s or the 40s yes. on a telephone like this. Or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. There's no way we could have, a, without, I mean, it would cost us a fortune to talk like this, you know. Yeah. Um, that's really a conversation and stuff. Well, it's exciting. I sort of where everybody gets together, even though we're 6,000 miles away. It's still a family community kind of feel because we, we don't think any problem picking up the phone. And stuff like that there. You bet. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's just like um, this is where technology has brought us this far. And I was going, I told Walden, I think Monday night, I'm going to try to hook up with Walden on Skype, you yep. know what I mean? So, which, I mean, who ever taught us? Computer. <laughs> I know, we're going to, Ron and I are going to hook up our microphone to our computers and talk to each, uh, to each other on a computer. Yeah, I mean, I mean who else do we do something like that? It's free. It's free. Yep. Right? And people on Skype talk all over the world. And in fact, now I find out that Television networks, a lot of interviews are on Skype. Yeah. When did Hawaii feel like you got built up? I mean, did it feel like a small community in the 50s? When did it actually, you know, where a lot of people started to buy houses and started to build places? No, I would say that starting in the late 60s and 70s and stuff, Mm -hmm. people became more cautious about each other, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, as far as neighbors and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, um, you know, we're not as close as we used to be. Although, you know, there are some areas in Hawaii that still have block parties mm-hmm. where the whole neighborhood in that area would come out on a Friday, a given Friday or Saturday, pop lock, bring their ukuleles and their guitars, and they would close up the street. Everybody moves their cars and make sure that... Um, they got the whole street just for them, and then they have a block party. I've been to some of those, and they have a jam session. That's pretty neat. Some of the areas still in the country, although areas have 
this thing called Black Praise. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Blast. We we do that several times around here. That's just where our, as Patricia pointed out, that's just the way my community is. You know. Well, we're all going to move out and spend time with Walden. Yes. Because. Well, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember one time on a Saturday. You did have some kind of party, and you went out and you had a couple of desserts. Uh huh. Uh, I remember you telling us that there, there was a block party. Yep. Here. Yep. We we still have. We all got jealous. We all got hungry. And you never shared the group. Well, we, we, I, I think this is fair, Ron. I think we just ought to pack our suitcases, and when Walden opens his door one day, we're all going to be standing out there saying, we're here for breakfast. There you go. We can do it. We're here for uh, breakfast. You didn't tell us what was your first car and everything else. Oh, I had a Volvo as my first car. What year was it? I'm not going to tell you what year, because then it, it's going to take away all of this birthday stuff for my 78th birthday. You should have just started with her at 21, Ron, and you've been all safe, you know? You're not going to ever find out. <laughs> you try to be so casual about these questions, Ron. <laughs> And when you like, how old were you when you had your first car? And when your car was? <laughs> oh, too funny. Oh, that's funny. A Volvo. Yeah. How did, how did you like it? How did I what? How did you like that car? Oh, I loved the Volvo. Loved it. It, 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 it drove, they, they were never really pretty to look at. But they were about as safe as a car could be. They were built like tanks. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, they were they were small. They weren't very large cars. But you could get hit by a train in those things and come out okay. Well, four speed or automatic? Always five on the floor. Five on the floor. Uh huh. Oh, good. So you learn how to, you learn how to drive a stick then, huh? Yeah. Good for you. Now you don't you want to drive a stick car anymore, right? Yeah, I still have a stick. You do? Sure. Oh. Old habits die hard. They kept them built it just for Patricia. You know, it took them a while to find my car. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I went in with a laundry list and said, I'd like this, I'd like this, I don't want that, I don't want this. No. And they found one for me. They found the one I wanted. So. Not many, not women, many women like to drive standard, as a standard shift, you know, and stuff, so, you know, that's great that you still don't mind, you know. Well, I don't mind at all, and there are a couple of advantages that come along with driving a standard shift car. Um, you don't have the same kind of transmission problems that an automatic transmission is vulnerable to. And you don't start, and you don't have to go very fast either, you know, if somebody got to push you. No, nobody has to push me. But you also have bypassed some of the computerized systems by having a standard shift. So, you know, when, when Toyota had all of those hard problems with recalls, none of the standard shift cars got recalled. Yeah, right, right. So, well, anyway, so I get some benefit out of it. It's, it's, it's fun talking with you guys early in the evening. I won't be listening. And I want to let you know that um, Santa Claus came to my house. 
uh, yesterday when I, with all these goodies that I get to listen to, and, and uh, it's a reciprocal thing, because I'm glad Patricia got her Santa Claus goodies also, because, hey, this is what old radio, old time radio is all about. Well, I am just so delighted with, and this, this is Santa Pony. Yes, Santa Pony. There you go. So um, we'll keep in touch, and again we'll talk to you again soon. So hey, you don't. So, you're gonna hang up without a question tonight? Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna hang up without a question. Before we I hang up, though, what's on the agenda for tomorrow night's show? Well, we're gonna have a couple of Easter shows at the beginning. Uh, the Great Girls Weave, Great Easter Show from '52. Um, I can hear it eat the show from 48, and then most likely we'll play a Ray Brady interview. Yeah, Jack Finney has some good Easter shows. Yeah, sure he does. Walk down the, uh, the Easter parade. Yeah. And they'll run to Don Wilson. They'll be running to Dennis Day and all, all right. that. A lot of people like the, the um, three hour interview Ray Brady did with Les Paul last Sunday, so. We'll pull out another goodie, too. But, yeah, Jack, many good. We got good stuff. You know, the Les Paul interview with Ray Breen was excellent. And Les, Les Paul certainly is, is a memorable guitarist, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a wonderful um, guitar. And as soon as Patricia goes on Skype, then... I can contact her on Skype, and it should be fun. But it's free, Patricia. I know, that's the best word in the whole wide world. Free. We like that. Second best. Food. Well, third best. (laughs) (laughs) So, Patricia, you ever thought of getting on Skype? Say that again, please. I was laughing at myself. Yeah. You ever thought of getting on Skype? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that was a yes-no question. It was? Yeah. It'd be quick. Yeah. Well, all right. Be that way. <laughs> yes, I'd be that way. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I just don't. No, I, I you know something. My wife got me on Facebook, and I wish I never, ever, you know, got on that. And this is serious. I'm, yeah, it's not that I'm unfriendly or whatever, but sometimes annoying to want to be my friend and all kinds of stuff, and, and some of them I don't even remember and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just cumbersome, you know, I, I just don't. When you don't? Yeah, I wish I would have supposed to get more fun out of it than the work you put into it, and when that doesn't happen, it's not a, it's not a good deal. I'm on Facebook, but... Because i got so many things. I don't look at it every day. Uh, you know, that's, and I, I imagine there are people that look at it multiple times a day. But I'm just, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. here, there, and everywhere. You know, I, I have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious about this. And any time I set up a series of distractions, that's exactly what they're going to do. So people have asked me to put up a, a, a webcam to uh, do IMs and do Facebook, and I said, I, I can't do this because my entire day would be spent hopping back and forth among these things. That's true. You're exactly right. And you wouldn't even have a chance to listen to a radio show because you'll be too busy hopping around. Hopping around, yeah. That's what bunnies do. Hippity hop hop. Yeah. 
And I do have to work once in a while, so. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah, the rent is due at the first of every month, so. Are you still writing a lot of articles? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing more marketing and public relations type writing, um, which, it, which, it makes me sad because it's not the, the thing I enjoy the most, but it is the thing that pays the bills, so got to make a choice. Right. Well, two of you, good luck. It's been fun talking to you guys early. So. Yes, this was a nice surprise for us. Yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Ron. And I'll be just listening to you guys. So and happy Easter, yeah. Gail. So don't, happy look, to Gail too, about, don't say anything mean about Ron Mears' show because he'll be listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because Aloha from Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. There he goes. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. We love there he goes. He's feeling his cheerio. There you go. Anyway. I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I got I got stuff. We still haven't heard from Dick Dyer for uh, forever. John in Florida, we haven't heard from him forever. Yeah. Maurice in Washington, Bob in Washington State, Jerry in Washington State, Cliff in Ohio, Ray number two in Illinois. Um, we have Ray from Chicago, and Ray number two called in from Illinois, and we haven't heard back from him. Michael in Pennsylvania, we haven't heard from Michael for a long time. Bill in uh, Tar Heel in North Carolina, he's in the chat room periodically, so right. we know he's okay. Yeah. Charlie in Seattle, we have not heard from Charlie for a very long time. That's true. So I get concerned about our friends. Have you heard from Charlie at all? Been a while. Charlie, give me a call. We'll see how you're doing. I'm going to give some advice and scheduling updates here. Well, we've got a crazy three or four week coming up, so we might as well have everybody prepared that way. Patricia, when she handles my, uh, my, um, my schedule. Your publicity? Oh, your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, next weekend, I will be on the air live Friday and Saturday night, so I will not abandon Patricia on the 30th. I will be gone out of town on the 1st, so no show Sunday. Uh, the following Saturday, May the 7th, I'll probably be running late. We will do have a show uh, if my Lion Club fundraise, major fundraising event and I am the current president, so I don't think I can get out of uh, saying, okay, guys, you clean up the dishes, you know? I don't think so. After spaghetti dinner, so I think I'll have to make sure we get the dishes cleaned and... I'll come on home and we'll do a show. But No, I, I think we're much more important than that. We'll hire somebody to go out and do dishes. <laughs> we could need the help. <laughs> May, okay. May 14th, I think we're going to be on time, but it's a big day. Um, I'm producing a show for Norman Corwin that day, a radio recreation in, in L.A. So we should be done and I should be on the road and we should be on schedule. If not, we'll be just a few minutes late on Saturday night, May 14th. So, I just want to keep everybody abreast over the next three weeks or so. So, there. Okay, well, I'm just late show with a question mark. Maybe. As you talk, I put these on my little calendar. I know. <laughs> I know. Patricia puts Walden here, Walden there. That way she knows I'm yes. coming up every week. Yes, Walden is like pepper. You just <laughs> sprinkle them all over and everybody's happy. <laughs> 714. Five four five two oh seven eight oh and uh, reps is in June everybody. So Patricia will have an evening off June twenty fifth. June twenty fifth. Yeah. So that'll be on her schedule. And then Christmas in July and so yeah. Patricia and I have to work on the guest lineup for that stuff. 
On the 25th, I already had written, no Walden, no show. Ah, so she, she prepared. Yeah. So. Christmas in July. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We have to save some surprises. If people have special requests, that's very cool. But otherwise, we're going to wind up with some surprises for you. That's right. Hope. That's right. Yeah. We'll figure out what she got planned. Uh-huh. Richard and Richardson. We haven't heard from Richard, and I need to talk to him, or we need to talk to him and make sure that everything got straightened out with um, with Nolan's master. That would be good. Yeah, we that, could do that. That would be good. What else? What did you do? I didn't even get to ask you. How, how did your week my, go? My week go? Well, I, it's been a crazy, interesting week. I was with Aunt Waldo yesterday. Oh, how fun. Yeah, so we picked up more of her transcriptions and get it transferred. Tonight, she's throwing a birthday party for Norman Corwin, 101st birthday party. Is it already another year? Well, basically, yeah, her, his birthday on the 3rd, but they decided oh, to have it to, have it on tonight, so she had a guest, of, a guest a dinner party of 12. Yeah, his brother died very recently, yeah. too, which was very sad. Very sad. Would have made, if he would have lived another three more weeks, he made it 108. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but Norman's good. He's working hard on the show that I'm producing for him on May 14th, so that's pretty exciting. And so I think... Oh, by the way, yeah. are you allowed to, to talk about it? Sure. Which, which show are you recreating? We're going to do his famous show called The Undecided Molecule, which he wrote in rhyme. This is what the show where a molecule... Uh, decided if he wanted to become a vegetable, mineral, or a human. So he went up, he went in trial, and the judge originally played by Groucho Marx. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Groucho made a great judge. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and so uh, King Wynn was in the show, Edwin's son. Norman Lloyd, who later became Alfred Hitchcock director on the TV show with part of Orson Welles, he is coming back 66 later to do his original role for us. Oh, my goodness. They'll play tennis many times a day at age 95. As Patricia always says, when I says, oh, he's only 85, or he's only 95, or he's 101, what does Patricia say? Patricia wants to know what they eat for breakfast and what kind of vitamins do they take. <laughs> and I think those are very fair questions. I think so, too. Yeah. Yes. I talked Troy Mitchell called me today. She's going up to Seattle. I mean, just, just, uh, so a lot of it, I am, I've been working with the people at the, uh, Old Time Radio Convention in New Jersey, planning, they're, they're going to have their very last convention in October. And so they're going to. This is Casting Concrete there. This is absolutely the last one. This is it, yeah. Oh, my. This is it. So, it's been going on for 36 years in New Jersey, and this will be it. So, those of you, October 20th to the 23rd, put that in your calendar. They will probably unload the vault and invite as many guests of old-time radio there. Now, this is, again, in Newark? In Newark, yeah. Okay. At the Holiday Inn. So, you can look at the website, FOTR.net. We will broadcast that convention. Um, so, we've been seriously... Uh, planning, they are, will do a Let's Pretend, um, directed by Arthur Anderson, who wrote the book on the series, who was a child actor for 18 years on that show. As I mentioned, Greg Oppenheim is going to do My Favorite Husband with uh, Judy Canova's daughter. Um, I think on the, they're going to plan to do a Phil Harris Alice Faye. Uh, they're thinking about doing a Gunsmoke. And so it should be interesting to see what 
uh, thumbs down, some interesting guests have been discussed, so we'll keep people posted. Uh, reps is full board, uh, so Brian and I were talking this evening and getting rep plan for June and then discussions are already thinking about the Spurvac event, uh, event in November, so yeah. everybody knows Ron has a hand here, there, and everywhere. He's got four hands, but we haven't discovered yet which pocket the others are. <laughs> and so I've been... When you talk about reps, that's the radio enthusiasts of Puget Sound yeah. up yeah. in Seattle. Yep. And they have got a dynamite convention every year. Absolutely dynamite. And if anything works right, uh... We're going to have our buddy, the Finster, broadcast it live this year. Excellent. Now, what are the dates for reps, please? Reps would be June 24, 25, and 26. Okay. Will any of this information be up on the website, it on should. the USA website? It should be. Well, you know, once, once Brian and I get it posted, we're going to have it transferred over there. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Or even just a link to go to reps. That'd be fine, yeah. Or else you can go to rep, repsonline.org. And Patricia and I fully endorse reps. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've never been there. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's, uh, if I, you know, I mean, I do I do some work for them. You bet. Each year I transcribe some shows for them, and, it, you know, it's just so easy to get caught up in the enthusiasm that everybody feels with that convention. It really is spectacular. If you can only pick one. Go to reps, because it's the warmest, friendliest, outgoing. It's like the Saturday night show with Walt and Patricia. In a hotel. Uh-huh. It sounds good to me. It sounds good. And good. we're going to give a Lifetime Achievement Award to Troy Mitchell, so we got to put together everybody, her whole career uh, at the Saturday morning brunch. So we're looking for TV shows, videos, movies, appearances, of course, radio that we're going to do to her Lifetime. Wow, Tribute does she show. know she's getting this? Uh-huh, because we want to tap into her archives and see if she has oh. anything. <laughs> so, so we're going to pull that off. Uh-huh. Hello there, you're on the air. Alden, I wonder if you can turn your um, pot down a little bit because you're coming through a little distorted. Okay, job. I I thank you. I we having we are having terrible technical problems, and I'm glad you think because I thought it was too low. So I never even thought to check. So uh, because my Getner was makes me it's not showing any red, and so Bill and I spent a half hour last night trying to get me loud enough that people could hear me. So I think to you, Ron, I will turn myself. A little distorted, Jeff. Uh huh. And that's why, because I had to jack it up. So, oh. so hopefully this will work. Okay. Well, By we'll, next we'll, weekend, we'll have this fixed. If not, Bill got to spend more company's money to ship some new equipment. All right. We'll talk to you. Later. All right, Ron. Thanks for calling. So, so there. So that hopefully, well, I say just turn myself down, and that. And I should hopefully make that better. Okay, I've got I've got you in my left ear and the station in my right ear. Okay. I'm in the middle, so <laughs> let me see here. Uh, this is Yesterday USA. I will talk that way Patricia can monitor me to see if I need to turn myself up or down or sideways. Um, anyway, happy Easter, everybody. Hope the Easter Bunny going to leave you some candy tomorrow. Uh, hope a lot of you get to go to church or pull out the Bible and read the uh, crucifixion story. Much better. And um, I hope some of you, what are you having for dinner tomorrow? We are having our honey baked ham. We went up to uh, uh, Huntington Beach and picked up our honey baked ham. So that will be our meal for tomorrow. We're having family over. So that's sort of what we got going. 
So, hello there. You're on air. Great. Sounds great now. Thank you. Okay. You're so good one. All right. I'm glad everybody's listening to me. I know. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad people are <laughs> Thank you, Ron. Yeah, thanks, Ron. We appreciate that. Not only listening, but calling back. I That's never right. even thought to do that. You know, once in a while when the show is on, you know, it, when you play a show for us, yeah. I will tap in and, and take a listen because I know sometimes it gets messed up right. between you and Texas. But I never thought to even check and see if you're okay. Yeah, well, right now we're, we're running on a wing and a prayer because I wasn't even too sure we're going to even do tonight's show. Um... So, when we got on the air, that's when I knew it was good enough to broadcast. Uh, but you understand, of course, you would have had pickets in front of your house. I know, but okay. we, you would have protected me. You would have uh, said... Maybe I would have been one of the picketers. That's true. Yeah, that's no, true. I would have protected you. But anyway, uh, Bill ran out of time today. He's been at, over at uh, seeing his, uh, Kim's grandma at the hospital today. And things are looking good over that front. She looks like she can be moved to uh, rehab on Monday for two weeks. What happened? I, I came Basi in late on all of this. Basically, um, Bet wound up, they thought it was conjective heart. It was not. They wound up being um, some, uh, you know, bacteria that got in some of the tracks. And she wound up with low blood pressure. Mm so they had to put her on oxygen and, and give her medication and correct the blood pressure. And right now she's weak. So uh, they transferred her, they're going to transfer her to rehab on a Monday, then bring her home. Well, she's doing better, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, and this means, you know, Kim was raised by her grandmother, so um, they, were wondering if they were wondering, they asked Kim the wrong question. You know what the question was, Patricia? No. Uh, what nursing home are you planning to send your grandmother? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Nope, 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 nope. That's not how Kim writes the bus. He, as I said on the phone, when she said, I would have been a little disappointed. I think the family would have been disappointed that you, you stuck your grandma off in a nursing home, Kim. Nah, she would never have done that. No, she would not. Nope. So, so, uh, and she's been sweeping over there and doing a lot of, you know, good hospital stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's been a big week for the Bragg household. That's why you didn't have any broadcast Thursday night. I was at church Thursday, so I couldn't cover. And then I picked up Tuesday. And I was up seeing our friend Jerry and the guests on Wednesday and Janet Friday and, uh, Frank Brzee. I was talking to Frank, Frank, there's a, um, Frank can be in a, uh, upcoming biography of the, uh, writer for J. Ackerman. So Frank said, well, look for some of the interviews and things they wanted for this upcoming book. And so I've been doing that for Frank. And then, uh, Frank is going to go over to the Norman Corwin production May 14th. And we have Janet Waldo on the cast and Dick Van Patten and Tommy Cook. And, and a lot of good people from radio and some TV people. Wow. So it should be fun. Wow. Okay, I have a question. I have a question. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Let's see, let's see here. Are you waving your left or your right hand? My right hand. Okay. I always raise my right yeah, hand. Yeah, I noticed that. All right. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> You're a piece of work. 
Okay, now, you picked on me? You calling on me? I sure do. With the lady with the right hand, with a smile. Up in the air. And the lamp. Yeah. Who walks, walks around with walls in her ears. Yeah. She has a question. You may yes, she ask. does. She may After ask. After listening about your week, uh-huh. what do you have for breakfast and what kind of vitamins do you take? <laughs> Well, Sunday mo- Thursday morning, I have a ham and cheese omelet over at the Lion Club because I run the Lion Club meeting, so I just order from the uh, menu. Uh, today, I didn't eat until practically noon, class. At 10.30, I guess, time I, you know, it was fruit and cottage cheese. I've been on a fruit and cottage cheese uh, routine several times this week. Because you want to? Because it's I like, or because I, somebody told you you had to? I love fruit and cottage cheese. Oh, me too? Yeah. She was oh, so- I came home with three truckloads of food tonight and forgot to bring home cottage cheese. Oh, Patricia. You do that. See what you made me do? I think we're going to have to go shopping tonight. Well, we could do that. We could do a remote, a remote broadcast. Maybe your phone could go that far to the grocery store and we can go do the show. So. <laughs> I don't think so. I went in and I, this happens to everybody. I, I did do this tonight because there were a couple of things that I was absolutely flat out of and mm-hmm. milk was one of them. A house without milk is not a home. It's not a home. And I went in and was going to take one of those little hand baskets. Uh-huh. Because that's all I needed were, you know, things like cheese and a banana and right. things like that. Right. And I said, no, I'll take a basket. Well, hello. <laughs> 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 the, the, the compulsion to fill up a grocery basket is so strong. That's why supermarkets made the baskets deeper and deeper and deeper. They are getting bigger, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> The, the more you can fit in there, but they had such wonderful twofer sales. I got twofer on on um, English muffins and crackers. I and love. Cheese was on sale. I saved like $7 on cheese oh. and all of the things that I normally buy. I'm not an impulse buyer. So when I come over for dinner, we're going to have some cheese and crackers. You're going to have cheese and crackers. Good. Boy, are you going to have cheese and crackers. Good. <laughs> We've got more cheese and crackers. But, I mean, it was, a, it was really a good sale, and I had coupons for all of this stuff, too, so I, I did really well at the supermarket. But I came home with, it, it really should have been four trips, but I made it in three, and, you know, was about to drop dead when I got to the top uh, of the stairs on the third path. You had your exercise for the day? I had my exercise for the day, and now I realize I came home without cottage cheese. How did I do that? I don't know, but I love cottage cheese and fruit. Kind of fruit. I um today it was strawberry. Ooh. Um, remember they used to sell it in p- package ready to go. I always like cottage cheese and pineapple. The cottage cheese pineapple mix. Um, so that. But generally, uh, now at home it could be bananas, strawberries, whatever fresh fruit. You know we're blessed here that in California, um, our fruit and vegetables are pretty uh, first-rate stuff so we get the pick of a lot of wonderful growers so pretty much it's always in season around here year-round and that's the biggest thing when people from out of state come to California they can't believe the variety and what we still have very fresh here and so we're blessed that way and then I still like um, toast and little peanut butter or English muffin or little peanut butter. So those have been the ba- base of three breakfasts for Walden this week. Healthful stuff. What about Patricia? Really is healthful stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, you and I have a lifetime contract here, so we got to be around to 
keep the family entertained, I guess. So I guess right. In a lifetime contract, it, I, I always get such a kick out of guarantees that will last a lifetime. Uh -huh. and say whose lifetime? <laughs> you know. So what would I don't know. What is what is your definition? If you bought something with a lifetime guarantee, mm -hmm. how would you interpret that? The way I interpret that. I guess it's two ways. The way I interpret it, my life, whatever I buy, my life. I guess some people would say the life of the company. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I would take it as the life of the person who bought it. Right. It's not transferable. Right. Like on, on death, the guarantee does not move to another person. But, you know, um, some investment, though, like bear bonds, doesn't matter who owns it. There's mm -hmm. nobody's names on it. Well, that, that's true, but that, that's different from a product warranty or a product guarantee. Well, that's um, true. That's true. So what did, yeah. what, what did Patricia have for breakfast this week? This week? This week. Uh, you know, I mean, she is so messed up with her food. I eat several small times a day rather than sitting down and eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. So, like today, what did I do today? I don't even know what I did today. Oh, I, I had a very healthful tuna fish. On an English muffin with pickles. Ah. Oh, I love pickles. Uh, I do too. And then later I had milk, and then later I had cheese snack, and so I I do that during the day. It really is a more helpful thing for me to do. You you got you keep your energy level up and everything else up. And and everything on on, on uh, an even keel, on even yeah. Keel. So I I kind of cheat, but my favorite breakfast this week. Yep. Was. A whole big pile of sautéed onions, and when they got all sautéed, yep. and I put two eggs on top, sunny side up. Ooh, that is good. Good stuff. Ah, that's stuff. good and if stuff. I'm really in a high-calorie mood, mm -hmm. I'll put some cheese sprinkles on it, too. Well, what, we had some eggs this week. Mom scrambled me some eggs, and what we do down here, I like, she'll put salsa. Ah. Hot sauce on, on my eggs for me, and I like that. No, you're just a hot little kid, aren't you? Yeah. As long as my, long as my meals are not bland, I'm a happy camper. As long as your meals are not what? Bland. Oh, bland. Bland. I don't, I'm, I'm, I like, I like a little bounce or a little taste or a little sweet, you know, I like them, I uh -huh. like them to be interesting. You don't want to eat oatmeal all day. I, I love oatmeal. I do too, but I, not for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just don't want, I, for example, I don't want plain rice with no taste. That doesn't really float my boat. Quart of soy sauce goes a long way. Uh huh. And it has to have something like that. Uh huh. It really is a, a basic or, or a base for other tastes and foods. Right. Tofu, I guess. Mm hmm. Tofu takes on the taste of other things, but it's really nice in substance. I think. Did you ever eat tofu? I probably have. I just don't remember it, but I probably have had tried it. I've never had. Somebody could call in and tell us what tofu tastes like. It doesn't stick out in my memory if we did. Hello there, you're on the air. Just hit the food network. Hello? Is there anybody out there? Is there anybody there? I guess not. Is there anybody? Oh, call back. Is, can call back and call we'll back. still be here. We're not going away. We're not going away. Mm -mm. But, uh, so we had that for, uh, for breakfast throughout the week. And had hot dogs for lunch on a few days. Probably why I like hot dogs so much. You can put mustard and onions on them, I guess. I like. And sauerkraut uh -huh. and all yep. sorts of stuff like that there. Yep. And stuff like that there. I think that's why hot dogs and hamburgers are so popular. It's the stuff that you can put on them. Mm-hmm. 
those are the building blocks. You can build any kind of a house you want out of your hot dogs or hamburgers. You can have them plain, just yeah. a plain cinder block building, mm-hmm. or you can make a mansion out of these things. We had a pizza last night. I love pizza. We have it from Costco, so that was good. We had a leftover snack, like a rice and some leftover meat dish. And mom, How did you have time to do this? I, I, it helped. It's terrific that we have uh, 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 my mother is willing to cook. That's her heart. Yeah. I tell you what, I need to start patent procedures on her. Well, you, guess what she did today? She's our keeper. What? And I didn't get a chance to do it. I was offered, but I took a nap instead. <laughs> Boy, this must have been brutal. What? <laughs> I lo- and I, this is one of my favorite things to eat. She made from scratch. Well, pretty close from scratch. Uh, homemade cinnamon rolls. Oh, and you went to sleep? Uh-huh. Dead? I was tired. Oh, so, my God, you must have been catatonic. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to... would dare take a nap instead of having cinnamon buns. Yes. So that's what oh. I'm that's, that's what I'm going to have tomorrow for Easter morning is we'll warm them up and have them with milk. Are you going to have a chocolate bunny? Oh, my. We, this we always do. Okay, yep. I've got chocolate bunny information. Well, why are the bunnies hollow? Why why don't they fill those why don't they fill those things up? Well, sometimes they do, but if they filled up some of the size of the bunnies <laughs> that we get, you'd probably need a crane to get them in the house. <laughs> it would be so heavy. Yeah. I don't know, they they just I saw a program today. I tell you what, that history channel is really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But they had chocolate chocolate and chocolate bunnies on the history channel today how this stuff is made yeah and they had the the um the hollow bunnies i always figured it had to be made like a mold well it was really interesting they've got a mold yeah and they do this with the um with the truffles where you get filled you know the the chocolate shell with the filling on the inside yep it's really nice ones the ones that are Mm bite-sized and you just want to hurt somebody who tries to take your truffles, you know, those kind. <laughs> you bet. Well, they pour chocolate into a round um, form. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are like three or four dozen of them. They're, mm-hmm. they're little holes, pockets. Mm-hmm. And they, they pour some chocolate in there and they put a lid on it. And then they keep rotating it and rotating it and rotating it until the entire um, cup or container, you know, the each, each little round ball is coated. Hmm. And then they cool it, and what comes out of the mold is this hollow thing because it's only the, the because it coated the sides. I would never get that. I always thought there were two, I always thought there was a, a bunny baked in half and they stick it together. I know. It, it really, well, it, it does, they do wind up getting stuck together because they put half in one side and half on the other, and uh-huh. they put them together like a sandwich right. and rotate it. So that it, it gets all, you know, the, the form, the form, that's what I'm trying to say, the template or the form. So I wonder how they glue them together. I get, well, I, I don't know, they just hold them together, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's in a machine that rotates, so I guess it, the machine pinches it closed and then turns it in all sorts of different directions just to make sure that it's evenly coated on the inside. And... Are you ready for this? You know what else I learned? What did he do? What these did little truffles, they've got these hollow marbles. You know, they're bigger than marbles, but these hollow balls that go along, and they, they sit in their little tray underneath what looks like an injection system. And this big, oh, 
a plate, I'll, I'll call it a plate, with pins coming out of it, come down on top of the chocolate, penetrate the little balls of chocolate, squirt the goodies to the inside of this hollow ball, and then it moves to the next lane where people put little chocolate swirlies on top and make them look gorgeous, uh -huh. and people say, isn't that a pretty truffle? Uh-huh. They use it to cover up the hole. Wow. Isn't that cool? I never knew how they got gooey inside chocolates before. I didn't either. I mean... And sugar? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And, and probably butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And good stuff. Wow. Okay, now. So, did the cocoa come from the cocoa plant? It comes from a cocoa bean. Cocoa bean. Inside a cocoa pod. They're big. They look like mangoes. So, are they like. Not mangoes. Um, papaya. What? So, they grow from the ground? Growing, ground up? Tree. In trees? Yeah. So, they come from the tree down? Yeah, the good, these great big pods grow mm. in the tree. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought it called them from a cocoa plant. Oh, uh, it's a cocoa tree. Hmm. I don't know what they call the tree. I guess it's a cocoa tree. And where, where did the cocoa come from? Well, from from the pod, this great big pod, uh -huh. like a seed pod. Uh -huh. And on the inside, as is within most pods, there are nuts on the inside. So it's cocoa nuts. I mean, ah, not, so that's where... Not coconut, but... That's where, if you want chocolate and nuts, you just go to a cocoa tree. <laughs> Premixed. Premixed. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, I certainly hope so. How's everybody? Oh, hi there. <laughs> How are you? You're calling early tonight. Yeah, I was going to be... I have a reason. Uh, first you, you, of all... you got to look for the Easter Bunny, and we know why. <laughs> right. <laughs> Richard, Richard came through, and I have the master back. Oh, excellent. Okay. So I appreciate that. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you let us know, because we've been kind of hooting for him to make sure everything was okay. Okay. Uh, you, do you have a Fibber McGee and Molly picked out tonight? Well, we do, but then we're never married to anything. What have you got? Do you have a car theme? Yeah. It does? No, it doesn't. Mine does. If I, okay, which one is it? Fibber McGee and Molly, Fibber teaches Molly to drive. Oh, there's one that there's teaches Molly to drive, and there are two of them when they're out looking for to buy a car. This is from November 43. 1943. Do you have that one? Nope, I don't have that one handy. I have it. I have it. I was going to play it for you. Well, okay. From down here. Would that work? That would work. We might have to do some testing here on the air. That's to, uh, We could do something like that. Let's see if it works. Um... If it doesn't work, I can email it to Walden. Yeah. Well, let's, just, let's try it from no one. We'll try something different. Okay, let's see. I'm going to try to do this quietly. Okay. Nothing like a quiet test that nobody can hear. <laughs> no one. I don't know if you were listening last week when I told about the woman It was in my doctor's office, one of the nurses, and she was so excited about having discovered black and white television, and she's been watching the I Love Lucy series. I don't know which program, which um, station carries them. And she said, and I just love it. The old black and white shows are just so wonderful. I said, Peggy, we've got to get you into black and white radio. She said, they have it? <laughs> it was so cool. And, of course, you know, she was smart enough to recognize what she had said after she said it. But the, um, the intent was there, and she picked right up on it. That's great. Uh, we, we 
broadcasting all kinds of colors and stereophonic sound on radio. All you need is your imagination. Yeah, do people, when they listen to old-time radio, are they thinking of terms of black and white or terms of color? I think black and white. I've never, yeah. That's really an interesting question. I have never seen... And when I close my eyes mm-hmm. and I, I see the people and the characters, I've always seen them in black and white. How, what an interesting question. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nolan? How about your In an old-time radio show, do you envision the, the characters and the scenes in color or black and white? I have a tendency to uh, black and white, I guess. I, I really have never thought of that. I'm pretty much a black and white. Occasionally, if I think about it, I might put, 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 you know, put a little red hair or you know, dress them yeah. up a little bit. But I bet more people think about things in black and white before they turn on the color camera. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, we can pick that one as a question. Yeah. When you listen to a radio show, do you envision a black and white scene, or is it in color? Mm-hmm. Huh. Good old Walden. He's always good for stuff like this. Or another thing, when they paint the scene, do they paint it of the 1930s and 40s, or do they put the people in today's environment? Oh, I think that's a that's a no-brainer, I think. You think? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're listening to an old-time radio show, why would you want to put them in the middle of 2011? Mm, I'm thinking, like, if I say they're driving a car, do you, are you inventing them in a 1940s? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the most generous I can get is with Batman and a Batmobile. Mm-hmm. I'll be generous with that. Or the Black Beauty. Mm-hmm. I have, um a sense of a sleek car with the black beauty in the Green Hornet, but, you know, certainly not a modern-day Corvette on steroids, you know? <laughs> Do you ever think of uh, people standing around a microphone as you listen to the program? No. You know, I didn't until I started seeing some pictures, Nolan, and I'm crushed. <laughs> I had this wonderful... Um, film going in my head. It was a black and white film that would go along as a show progressed. And it, I mean, it had a house and I know what Fibber's house looks like and I know what Gildersleeve's house looks like, or at least in my mind, I know what it looks like. And once I saw pictures of the performers standing in front of microphones reading their scripts, it took me a while to get back into a mindset where I could be part of, the, of an actual set. Rather than a stage, what do you see? That's a, a, probably a problem with our hobby because most people probably wouldn't do that. But wouldn't wouldn't do what? Would not picture people around a microphone. I think it's uh, if it becomes particularly boring or the show is losing it or they're I'm not really interested. Then I start listening how the actors are portraying it, and then I see them, you know, with their scripts in their hand. Yeah. Well, when people are listening to disc jockey shows, are they really thinking about the announcer just sitting there on a microphone? Yes. That one I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one I do. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm, I'm right along with them. When I hear a show, I'm on the street with, with Marlo, and I'm on mm-hmm. in, in the kitchen with Bertie, and I'm just there. But when I started seeing pictures of cast members standing around microphones, even when you go out on Wikipedia, You'll look up a radio show and you'll see some pictures of people standing in front of microphones. It really caused a problem for me. It was a head problem for me for a while. One thing I'm doing, uh, Dr. Michael Beale coming out to L.A. to be part of this, uh, his group of putting on the convention and that I'm producing the Norman Corwin, I have arranged for a tour to go to the place that 
Luxrail Theater was produced. It's still in wonderful shape. So people who like to see what venues and theaters look like who are still in great shape, it'll be a good experience for them. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Luxrail was a little different. The sound effects were not on the same stage. It was above. It was, I don't think there were any other radio shows that had a separate whole area just for the sound effects artists. That's interesting. They yeah. weren't on the same nope. level nope. as the performances. They weren't. Well, by golly, yeah. what was the advantage or what was the disadvantage to having the sound effects at an upper level? I don't know. Well, we need to ask Frank, but I think it's probably because they parked all the equipment there and they kept it up there, and so they had to climb up there, the sound effect guys, and just work it from there. The orchestra was not right Right, where, you, where the actors were, it was behind a curtain. I'm not Frank, but I have an idea. Mm -hmm. I'm listening. Well, um, Nolan, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Oh, okay, let me see. Let me try something. He's multitasking. <laughs> Better. <laughs> there you go. That too much? No, that's fine. Um, Fred Foy told me that they had the sound effects in a different studio, and the reason was that they would did not want them to, the sound effects to filter into the actor's microphone. They wanted to be able to isolate it and get the levels exactly right. That's right. They would, uh, over at ah. WXYZ, they, that was in the kitchen. They had the sound effects in the kitchen. I think so. When they moved into the mansion, yeah. they called it in Detroit. Right. And um, they, the uh, reason would be if they were firing gunshots in the microphones and mm -hmm. the sound effects man was only a few feet away from the actor's microphone. It would be twice as loud, probably. Not only twice as loud, but it would be inconsistent. Yes. Um, you know, if, if the Lone Ranger was supposed to be firing and he was talking at the same time, it was supposed to be very close to him, but a sound effect person 10 feet away is going to sound like a gunshot going off 10 feet away. Exactly, or if he's riding on silver and firing shots as he rides away. Uh -huh. That's one thing that they're planning to do, uh, knowing that FOTR, because the, the Fred Floyd family is planning to go over and do a tribute to their dad. Oh, really? Yes. I get the, the the daughters and the kids are planning to go over there and do a whole panel, get reminiscing about their dad's life and career. Great. Oh. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah. So we'll broadcast that so people get to hear that when that happens in October. I've, I've corresponded with his daughter, but that was the only other family member that I, I knew. Right. Uh, and th that was by long distance. Right. But I thought it was interesting that the uh, the, the family volunteered, offered to do that. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty nice. And how, Nolan, do you, um, you've, you've told a couple of car stories for us. What was your first car? First car was a 1946 Ford Coupe, Coupe as they called it, or Coupe. And uh, it was very popular with the businessmen. It was called a businessman's coupe because you could put uh, briefcases and things in the trunk, in a huge trunk, but it had no back seat. Got it. Okay. So I converted it and put the back seat back, and uh, there still was a little space between the uh, the springs of the uh, back seat and the trunk itself, so you could put stuff in there if you wanted to. <laughs> stuff. Got stuff in there. What color was it? It was a blue, dark blue, Kentucky blue. How, how many colors? This is interesting now. You said, what what year was it? 47? 46. 46. How many colors were you, uh, globally, you, were people, uh, did people have to choose from when they bought a new car? 
let's see if uh, you could have any color you wanted as long as it was black. I'm laughing. <laughs> is, that, is that truly the only color that was in the 1940s? Uh, but it was in the uh, A model years, uh, Ford's, the famous Ford A and T models. Right, and in, in the earlier years, right, that they were only black. Um, so did, the, I, did the colors, um, were the color choices fewer during the war years, do you know? No, I, I, I didn't. Even, um, I was a little young to know about that, but... No, every, well, Nolan, you know everything else. You and Walden, between the two of you, I don't have to do any homework at all. Well, I'm never in league with Walden. He's, he's the man. <laughs> but I, I think uh, the colors were pretty basic, as I recall. You know, blues and whites and uh, blacks and maybe some, you know, some Easter egg-looking thing. But uh, it was a very small choice of colors. Yeah. My father had a used car lot, and that's how I, I got my first car. I just This one came in one day at the trade-in, and uh, I uh, thought it would be one that I could fix up and work on and really had a, had a good time with it. Do you remember how much you paid for it? Uh, well, I, no, I don't, because he, he, that first car he gave me, he, pay, he paid for that one because it was a trade-in and he didn't have anything really invested in it. But uh, to show you how informal <laughs> it was in those days, he had a, a man come by that had a uh, truck that he wanted to trade in for a, uh, a, a car. And my dad knew that he had a customer for that truck, and he would be very interested in trading, and he would just trade even with the man if he would, if, if that suited him. Hmm. So uh, he said, let me think about it. So they both left, and then the went to lunch, and uh, he came back, and there was a sign on the door, a note, a handwritten note said, I took you up. <laughs> That was the end. That was that was the deal. No, no uh, tag exchange, no title exchange, anything. I just took you up, and the car was gone. Cool. That's consistent with what we were talking with Ron about a little bit ago, where everything was informal. Everybody knew each other. You never locked a door, and and you could strike a deal by putting a note on a door. That's great. Yeah, that was really back there. That was probably in the. Uh, Late uh, 40s, early 50s, I guess. Huh? Told me that story. How oh, cool! But the um, I was trying to think about the there. I don't really have any funny stories about the car itself, except I, we I had a, a buddy that was a hot rod uh, aficionado, and he was always souping up his cars and doing things with it. And he said, "You need an electric fuel pump on that car. It would run a lot better." So we got to, went to the parts store and bought one, and he helped me put it on. We added another little touch. We put a, a switch, a toggle switch, on the pump under the dash of the car, out of sight. Uh -huh. You get a bunch of guys in there, and we're riding around, riding around in my gasoline. We get somewhere within 50 feet of a gas station, and I would turn that switch off, and it was every bit like the car ran out of gas. <laughs> so I'd say, we've we got to chip in here if we're going to keep going. So let's push it over to the filling station and fill it up, turn the switch back on, start it up. That is a great story. How many gallons of gas would you get out of a trip like that? Well, considering that gas was about 30 cents a gallon, I would get, uh, you know, four or five gallons with each guy, you know, pitching in 30 cents or so. Well, that's pretty good. Well, it was a little sneaky, but if, if you don't ask, you don't get it, you know? Well, I don't, I don't think it was sneaky. <laughs> Nolan, it was sneaky. 
You're right. It was sneaky. <laughs> Just a subtle way of doing it. Yeah. How is our envelope? It came fine. Again, fine. Really. I mean, you're taking good care of it, right? I was going to ask you, do you, you like the suspense episodes from South Africa or where were they from? I like anything from South Africa. Okay, I've got you some suspense uh, shows from South Africa, and I will get those. I ordinarily would not choose to listen to suspense, but if it's from South Africa, I'm, I'm on there. They have got such quality shows that they put together. You mentioned sound effects and everything. Or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just excellent. Just, just top of the line all the way. All right. Well, that, that'll be coming to you shortly. Great. Why don't we do a test here, and I'll see how this comes over. And if you, then later on, when you want it, uh, I'll either call you or you can call me. Oh, that's super. Great. Works. Um, okay, let's, let's take a peek. Here's a sneak preview of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. There we go. <laughs> we didn't quite make it. Fibber. We're, it's we're called the whisper. We're listening to the whisper. Getting some Christmas bongs here. Yes, we're listening to the whispers rather than Fermagin and Molly. I don't think it's even a whistler. It's like it's like somebody tapped Crystal right next to the microphone. Oh, there you go. Does that sound right? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Nolan, are you still there, or did you put your finger in a socket? I'm just still here. I, I wish I had, I'm embarrassed. I wish I had put my finger in the socket. <laughs> uh, if you can, go ahead. I'll, uh, what I'll do is I'll repair it and then call you back. All right, that sounds good. Best way to handle this. And then I'll have... Nothing like live radio. You know, it's part of the spot. People don't... No, it's, it's just... So good. Yeah. It is so good. It's what Patricia and I work on all week on the script for the yeah. show. We haven't had any really rip roaring boo boo bloopers that I can recall. We will I'll do my best to fix that. That's true. Yeah. Did we lose Nolan? At least you've had one technical blooper. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't count. They don't count. No, it's it's the kind the kind of bloopers that make you slap your mouth and just go Ooh, 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 one of those. Let's, let's try this. Just one second, I thought I heard it. Perfect. Great job. You just got your technical license back, Nolan. Lost Nolan. Too loud. No, that was perfect. Well, the people at 79 Wistful Vista bought a car a few weeks ago. It's up a little bit. And the master is at this moment offering to tutor the little woman for her degree of FSD. How about that? Good. Getting better. You want it up a little more, Patricia? Just a, just up, just a tiny tick. Turn it up. Hey, just... Walton, you can bring it up as well. Huh? Yeah, I, I could. Uh, mm -hmm. It'd probably be better that way. Let's just see what, what, just see what level you wanted at there. Oh, let me let me put my other ears on here. Okay. For McGee and Molly. That a 
keeper. There you go. I, I think Patricia's listening to us over the internet, so she'll see how it goes. I'm going to take my headset off, and I'll be right back. Okay. Run a little more of it, Nolan, just to see. That way Patricia can listen to it. Ain't no good if you don't play no show. <laughs> I'm trading headsets here. I'm putting one headset on, taking the other one off, and I've got dead air on the other end. <laughs> Just saying, oh, yeah, that sounded good. I'll trust you, Nolan. I'll trust you. I'll be right here when you're ready. Just make okay. It. Just give us a call. When, when we'll give you the high sign, you can call us in. That's fine. All right. Thanks, Nolan. Talk to you later. I may be asleep if you make too late. <laughs> Well, poor Patricia wasn't bouncing her tail earlier, but I think she's starting to get her energy level back. Yeah, so. my, my energy is coming back now. Great. Yeah. Um, you can have yours back up ready in case I'm sleeping. There you go. Well, we're ready. Okay, we're, we could do that. We could, we're prepared. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Nolan. Hey, bye-bye. Bye. And let's open that phone line to everybody who wants to call. Okay. Seven right. one we're, we're still on chocolate bunnies here bunny rabbits i'm this, on bunnies now this is okay. bunny rabbit talk at some no 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 i have to ask you which country now this is per capita which country has the biggest consumers of chocolate well i would say france nope you get three guesses that's number one down beep uh i would say germany beep i would say england beep Switzerland, Swiss chocolate. Ah. When you say Swiss chocolate, it makes you go, oh, I should have guessed that. Yep. Okay, so, chocolate bunnies. The Palmer Candy Company. 1948, mm -hmm. Mr. Palmer got patents for his Easter bunny, his chocolate Easter bunnies. Mm. Bunnies with personalities, the ones with little eyes that look in different directions, you know, the candy faces and yep. little... Uh, yellow ribbon bow ties yep. and all sorts of things like that. Yep. This single company, the Palmer Company alone, makes 200 million chocolate bunnies each year. Too bad they're not making any money. What? Well, I guess they too bad they're not making any money, only selling 200 million dollars worth. No, 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 200 million bunnies. I think so. If they make any, if they make, if they make uh, a okay. dollar, a dollar of money, they're doing okay. Well, if, if they, I think they probably make more than a dollar. Well, maybe not. By the time you get, you know, the retail is uh, is a 100% increase. And so, I don't know. And, of course, they're all different sizes. You can get a giant bunny for a lot of bunny dollars and little bunnies for little bunny dollars. But, anyway, they put out 200, and these are the, the standard rabbits mm -hmm. that you get in Easter baskets. They put out 200 million chocolate bunnies you, for Easter. You know, I thought you were going to almost use your Elmer Fudge voice when you said wabbit. Oh, my wabbit? <laughs> <laughs> little, little bunny, little bunny but, but dollars. Chocolate rabbit? Yeah, rabbit. Wabbit, wabbit. All right. Okay, and these innovative concepts. Okay, now this is the Palmer Company that invented the chocolate Easter bunnies. Uh-huh. They, they sell, they say they're, they're more than chocolate rabbits, they're personalities. And they really do, they have personalities in their, their little rabbits. They've got Baby Binks and Timid Timmy and Flopsy and Wooly Willy. <laughs> I don't know what Wooly Willy is, but they've actually got names for their bunny rabbits. That's uh, cute. That's all good. 
Yeah, I should have gotten jelly bean information. I don't have any jelly bean information. Hmm, I'm a failure. Well, who's the most famous jelly bean eater in the whole wide world? Oh, Ronald Reagan. There you go. Go ahead, ask me what kind of jelly beans he liked. What kind of jelly bean did he like? I'm sick. <laughs> you just did a Patricia. <laughs> He ate jelly bellies. Uh-huh. Jelly belly. Jelly I, beans. Yeah. Okay, we've got stuff here. I still have some stuff. Are you ready for some stuff? Sure. What do you got? This is left over now. It's on at least the third week, maybe the fourth week. The expression, the whole nine yards. Where did that come from? It came from the expression, the whole McGilly Cuddy. Oh, it's the whole McGilla. No. Is it McGill or McGilly Cuddy? It's <laughs> the whole McGilla. And McGillicuddy, um, Lucy, Lucy McGillicuddy. Huh? I don't know Lucy McGillicuddy. No, I, on I Love Lucy, she used to go by the name Lucy McGillicuddy. Ah. Is that, am I getting the right Lucy character? Probably. Yeah, when she was when she would try to assume a different identity, she uh -huh. she'd identify herself as Lucy McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyhow, the whole nine yards. Yes. Do you want me to tell you, or do you, would let, do you want to hold out and see if anybody comes up with the answer? What are you in the mood for? Because we've had it out for three weeks. What do you want to do? Well, I'll tell you. All right. And I knew this. I, I'm so proud of myself. I knew this. The whole nine yards comes from a World War II ammunition belt in the um, aircraft where, where they had machine gun-like uh, guns. They had, yeah, they had belts uh -huh. of bullets. And the belts were 27 feet long, or nine yards. And when they were out fighting and, you know, having air battles mm -hmm. with each other, mm -hmm. they'd say, give them the whole nine yards. Oh, that's where it came that's, from. Wow, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you didn't know that, so no. I am educating in history. I mm -hmm. feel so good and self-righteous <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that there. <laughs> I do have a smile for now. A smile? A smile. Well, I think it's a smile. I picked up last week an article in the New York Times. Dick Cavett writes a column every Sunday for the New York Times. And he writes as well as he ever did anything. He's, he's just a, a marvelous, well, he's almost a renaissance man, I, I have to say. You know, he, he performs, he does sterling interviews, he's a good writer, he's an excellent personality. He just is a lot of everything. I just got his agent phone number here not too long ago. You got his what? Agent phone number. Oh, cool! Yeah. Oh, man, if you could get... Yep, it'd be nice to get him. Oh, oh, okay. I'll sit up all night. Okay. I'll, I mean, really. Oh my goodness, what a that what a be, great deal that would be. It would be fun. And some time it would be have fun. it and turn the tables on uh -huh. him because uh -huh. he is an interviewer. He relied a lot. <clears throat> no, I'll erase that. He, it was part of who he was that he had facial expressions and just very diminutive body movements, but they said a whole lot. You know, he could just kind of look out of the corner of his eye and get one of those empty smiles and crack up the audience so what because of who he was talking with. So what, were, what, what did Johnny Carson and Dick Cavett have in common? Magicians. Yep, good. Oh. W what else? Uh, there's something else. Uh -huh. Oh, dear. 
Um, Jumping close to my family heart. Oh my goodness, you got so many things close to your family's I heart. <laughs> it's close to your family's heart. I don't know. They're both from Nebraska. Oh, I should have known that. Uh, Unless they are. Uh, yeah. Or were. Yeah. Or Dick Cavett is. Yeah. Donnie Carson was. Right. I love that. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm reading this article. Mm-hmm. It's a column. It's not really an article. It's a column. And he's talking about having interviewed family members of the first reality show, which was broadcast on PBS. It put cameras inside the home of a, a, a pair of rich and famous, I don't, I don't recognize their names, but I know they had a lot of money, and that's why they were picked. And they had three kids, one, two, three, four kids. He was writing about this reality show and how stunning it was to see in the 1970s something on this caliber. The comments from people, people can read these and then leave comments at the bottom of articles with opinions and comments and thoughts. And the, the comments included ones from people who said they were sick to death today of reality shows. It was impossible for them to believe that it was a novelty and something to get really excited about back then. But it was. And today we are just so swamped with reality shows. I mean, you, you get people beating each other up. You get them out in the swamplands killing alligators. Somebody else is chopping down trees. Somebody else is driving a truck across a trail. So, I mean, it's just reality, reality, reality. And then when you get into the people shows, holy cats. So it struck me that, you know, with, with channel changers being worn out, people who manufacture channel changers are in clover. Because people wear out their channel changers. They, they go so fast. They need to hop from here and hop to there and hop to there. It's the perfect place to reintroduce a variety show. Yeah. You don't have to change the channel. If you just wait for 30 seconds, something else is going to come up on, the, on variety. And uh, the reality shows. And right now, anything like that is totally dead. We, we have talked about that internally yes. right now. Steve Bender, who makes his living, are... Uh, director, that's what he made his living with, uh, music and variety. It's, it's a totally dead industry at the moment. It is absolutely dead, and I'm hoping that, as with so many other things, it will come full circle. Mm -hmm. that some people describe it as a pendulum. Well, I mean, it doesn't make much, any difference. It, think, it just, you know, we're, we're so far away from yeah. straight entertainment. We don't have straight entertainment anymore unless you talk about the, the Johnny Carson type shows, yep. Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien. Other than that, we don't have entertainment. Well, think of what happened to TV. I mean, I was on the phone. Uh, Jim called this week to let me know that a couple more soap operas have can't oh, have given up. Oh, two of them went down the tank. And yes. so we're getting down to that whole industry, that whole cottage industry, and if you, it will be totally wiped out. Gone. And can you think about it, how much of a staple has been in broadcasting since 30, 31? Uh-huh. And he's, I got thinking... We're around with heritage here. Yeah, and, and I got thinking, okay, well, think about it. How many anthology TV shows are there now? How many what kind? Anthology. You know, a different story every week. You know, uh, I, you know... Studio Playhouse, where they come up with a, with a drama every week. Oh, none. None. 
Zero. I mean, that whole format gone. Uh, you know, how many of the detectives, uh, how many of the crime shows are pretty much from the same tree? You know, it's not a lot of variety because everything, if the CSI or Law and Order, everything sort of branches off from that. NCIS is cool. Uh-huh. That one's different. That's the that's the Navy investigative team. Right. Crime investigators. And they're different. It's a departure from all of the others. But when you've got a choice of three, that I, I, I was running through the channels the other day and I thought, what happened when we weren't looking? Right. I mean, how many, how many really comedy series do we have? Not that many. Because they're so, you know, they're so expensive. I mean... And uh, the comedy that is presented as comedy... It's not comedy. ...doesn't always tickle my taste. Correct. So, TV, if you think about it, TV has dramatically shifted from 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or 35 years ago. From the 70s to the day, it's not... Oh, my goodness, it's, it's completely different. It's completely different. Completely different. So, anyway, I thought... Yes, yes, yes. This is the right time. I I have declared people are sick to death of reality shows. Yep. It's time to give them variety. All in one show. Yeah. They won't even have to change the channels. Oh, Patricia, you're so good. You're so good. You need to write for TV. You can make a few bucks, Patricia. Yes, and, and you're lovable. I'm adorable. Uh, we have it down, Pat. I know. Yeah. 714... Five four five two zero seven. That's adorable phone number. You can give her a call. <laughs> and lovable, we'll pick it up. There you go. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Our topic for the evening is our theme: cars. Cars. So you have a First car. car. Your parents' cars. The earliest car you can remember. The best car you ever had, excluding today. Not what you're driving today, unless. It is a humdinger. And what prompted this, I mentioned Jay Leno, mm -hmm. his Stanley Steamers. Yep. These cars actually ran on steam. <laughs> and he has two of them that have been restored. One of them was an early one where the steam vapor would come out the back of the car. It, if you drove it down the street, somebody would probably be knocking on his head. But it's actually steam that's coming out. I'll tell you about the second one in a minute. Hello there, you're on the air. My first car was a Corvair. Ah. ah, the death trap. It was unsafe at any speed, and it went fast. And it drove like a go-kart. The you? last time I drove it, parts were falling off of it. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a Gremlin. The Another death trap. The most, the most aptly named car of all time. Oh my gosh, that good, huh? It's horrible. Tell me what happened. Tell mother what happened. <laughs> what happened in the Gremlin? The Gremlin? Yeah. It was a, believe it or not, a company car. And uh, I guess the third time I drove it, it, it wouldn't start, <laughs> and, I, and I was parked in an elevated garage, so I just <laughs> got it going down the ramps, and got it started and took off. And you, you, you clutch, hopped it? it? Yeah, and it would give out on me in places, 
you know, little East Texas towns and little places. And That's funny. Yes. That's funny. I think the favorite car that my family ever owned that I that I liked the most was an, I guess it was an early 50s um, Packard. And I was an only child, so I had the whole back seat. And I could sit in the back in that back seat and stick my feet straight out, and not hit the back of the front seat. Wow! And it yeah. had the little velvet rope that went along the back of the front. Mm-hmm. Wow! To grab a hold of it was. Uh huh. It was. It it was a. There was a lot of metal in that thing. Wow! Large car today are not really large car. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> That's one of my problems, you know. I'm. A, I'm a large person, so I need a large car. So, actually, I drive a pickup truck just because it's big enough for me to fit in. And uh, now, I I have been seeing recently, every now and then, a little, um, what did they call it? city car or something like that. It was uh, an electric car made in the 70s, and it's shaped like a little wedge. It holds two people, and it goes about 38 miles an hour. And if ever I see it again, I'm going to either stop the person or follow them home or leave a message or something because I'd like to find out about it. I'd love to own it. I've always wanted one, and that way, if uh, our uh, foreign friends turn off the tap sometime, at least I'll be able to get to the groceries. You can still pop pu- pu- around town. And you, you talk about this as a wedge car, and there are a couple of on the market, to, a couple of them on the market today. So I know what you're talking about in terms of a shape. So it, it's actually a three-wheeled vehicle. No, it had four wheels, four 12-inch wheels. So how could it be a witch? Oh, 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 I got it. I got it. Okay. So what kind of did it have? How did you get in and out of it? The front went from all the way to the top to the to the bumper in one line, one straight line. Okay. And it was, uh, otherwise it was more or less cube-shaped. So how did you get in and out of it? It had doors on the side. Regular type? Yeah. It was made out of not fiberglass, but but uh, plastic over an aluminum frame. In which case, you would be very grateful that it can't go any faster than 38 miles an hour. Oh, absolutely. Yikes. And on, on uh, it had eight six-volt batteries, like... Oh, <laughs> oh gee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how many people did it carry besides the batteries? On a good day. On <laughs> a good day. How many people could fit in it? If they were friends. And I don't know if I could just get in it. I don't know. That's one of the things I've always wanted to know. If I could. How, man, how many people can fit in one? Two. Two people. Where are the batteries? Under the seat. Uh-huh. And under the... It has a little shelf in the back, and it's under that, too. <laughs> this is this is a battery with wheels. Yeah, oh yeah, it weighs thirteen hundred pounds, and I imagine half of that is batteries. Twelve hundred is batteries. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's funny.
funny. They went in plastic. Who who manufactured it? It was a company named Sebring. You can see them on the web. On the web. Now, Chrysler had a Sebring model not very long ago. They borrowed, with all the names available, they're borrowing and stealing from each other? I, I don't know. Okay, so this was an electric... I want to tell you all something that happened to me the other night. Do that. One o'clock in the morning, a couple of mornings ago, I'm at a hospital in Garland. My wife had a knee replacement. Oh, ow. Oh, ouch. Yes. She's in rehab now, but not from doing anything fun, just trying to get her knee and leg working. Anyway, uh, so I get in this elevator, going home, and there's a guy in there, and we exchange pleasantries, and I go, that is the most familiar voice. And I look at him, and I said, are you Bill Bragg? <laughs> and it was. Oh, my, oh my goodness. You met your neighbor. Same hospital. Wow. So he was visiting Kim's grandma? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you finally got to meet Bill. Yeah, but I didn't expect to meet him in a... No, that, that isn't the place where you would normally... Uh... I pulled up this Sebring. Uh-huh. He's got a yellow one featured here. It looks like a poorly made matchbox car. Pretty much. Yeah. Interesting. Now, it's got some kind of a, an ex bumper extension in the front. I'm yeah, that's, that's the later version. They, they had, um, I think maybe some of the batteries went in the front on those. But, I mean, you know, for extra money, you could actually, I mean, the, the original models were three, count them, three horsepower. Wow. And I think in electric motors, that's a little bit more oomph than you get in gasoline, I hope. And um, it, uh, it had like a defroster switch, a defrost switch, because that was required by the feds. But it, it wasn't hooked up to anything. It didn't have an extra. <laughs> had to pay extra for that. Oh, this is something out of a high school with kids figuring out how to get out of homework. <laughs> this is good. I just think it would be so much fun to have such a... And, and I think there's... I mean, I have seen a few of them tooting around. I mean... Uh, it's got a flat back. It looks like it's, it's pre-squashed. Yeah. Amazing. 22-foot turning radius, which is less than half of what my truck turning radius is. Well, 22 feet, that's one lane. You could make a U-turn without getting out of your own lane. Oh, absolutely. Gee, willikers. I mean, that would be like the direct opposite of me and my, you know, four-door pick-em-up truck. Oh, boy, you got a big one. Thank, God, thank goodness I have a, uh, a handicap thing. I can park in the handicap spots because it always takes me more than one ordinary spot to be able to park that beast yeah and uh i mean it just doesn't doesn't turn because it's long but uh but i you know i fed it <laughs> or if it's me but that would be like one extreme to the other i wonder if i could get the little city car up into the into the bed of the pickup truck and 
things are just... <laughs> just take it with you. I'll have a car to go, please. <laughs> like a dinghy. Oh, that's funny. And recharge it from the from the truck. <laughs> well, I know I could do that. Gee whiz. <laughs> original ones of these things, the, it didn't have a, a electronic controller. It had um, relays so that when you press down the accelerator, you didn't get a continuous change of speed. Uh, it was just three different ones. So the first one went 10 miles an hour and then like 25 and then 38. Take your pick. <laughs> how long, how many miles could you get out of full, if you charged all six batteries, how many miles could you get out of it? They advertised 50. I would say 30 would probably be more like it. And then how long would it take to charge the batteries? Like overnight. <laughs> this was not a car you would take to California from here. Oh, it, you know, it would take you some time. It'd be like going in a... And, and the, the wagon, wagon went faster than that. <laughs> Have to tow a little generator or something. What was, what was the average? The wagon trains covered about 20 miles a day? Walden, would that be about right? I, I think sometimes they, yeah, they walked it, yeah. Because I was just hearing a stat this week, and I don't believe it. Walked quite a bit of that. They, they did. Everybody walked. The stat yeah. I heard this week. Something what else that I found out today, Patricia. Mm-hmm. It certainly made me think of you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, Nova Science Now show, <laughs> and they talked about how there is a gene in our bodies that either gives us the ability to either taste or not taste a very bitter chemical that is in certain vegetables. Uh-oh. Your broccoli, your, your uh, you know, all the cauliflower. Mm -hmm. I read about that. And that some people can't taste it at all, and some people it's super yucky. Mm-hmm them and some people it's somewhere in between and i'll bet it's in brussels sprouts isn't it <laughs> one or the other from each parent so you can either have two of the genes that makes it taste yucky or two of the genes that make it not taste yucky or one of each i'll tell you though my dad likes eating broccoli for breakfast say what yeah and he'll microwave it the broccoli gas milk.